0: Yeah, they go red too. No, Isaiah, no, 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 no. Nope. Nope, you don't need any more. Nope, sorry. No, no, you don't need any (coughs) more. Yeah. I hope that doesn't get your coffee. Do grab a study from the back, we're going to be beginning. Will the Lord be with you? <laughs> I'll, I'll start with a story uh, this morning. Uh, about my, my grandfather, uh, Joseph Michael, um, uh, he uh, he was he, he grew up Catholic, um, and uh, he had he got cancer and he was uh, he was dying, uh, and he knew it uh, only a couple months to live. And I visited him a couple of times, um, and he wasn't he didn't go to church anymore. He wasn't sure he believed in God, um, and uh, I asked him. You know, I had a number of conversations with him uh but he he said one time well if if heaven is real if if christianity is real if jesus really did all that then why is my neighbor who is a christian why is he why was he afraid to die Uh, and so that was one of his his hang-ups why was his neighbor who was a christian why was he afraid to die and his christian you know so my grandpa was a farmer um, and uh, lived out in the country. His neighbor was a farmer. Everyone around them, um, and uh, his his neighbor, uh, farmer, American flag out, out front, a big cross on the barn, uh, and so really kind of um, prominent Christian, really kind of outspoken about it. Um, but in his last moments, actually was very afraid to die. And my grandpa saw that. Uh, and and uh, it caused him to doubt. I don't know what happened to either one of them. Uh, at the at the time, I told my, my grandpa that, uh, well, we all fear fear death, even Christians. Even Christians fear death. Um, uh, and I was right. Uh, but after more reflecting uh, on these uh, on it, these five years, uh, I think my grandpa was also onto something. Um, Regarding this this man, and we'll talk about that this morning. Uh, This paradox of fear uh, in the face of death. Your handout uh, it should say "Looking upon Christ." Uh, That's the one that we're on today. Um, I uh, we didn't quite finish from last time, uh, and uh, so I I just reprinted what we were going to study last time and, and. really the first part of uh, the next that I was going to do. Um, but looking upon Christ. So uh, my, my grandpa's neighbor was, was wondering uh, in his final moments, um, I, I, I think, at, at least I, I can't say for certain, but um, how do I know if I've done enough? Uh, how do I know if I've done enough? Uh, maybe maybe heaven isn't isn't real. How do I know Jesus actually atoned for all of my sins? Um, Luther says, this is on your on your handout, he says, So then gaze at the heavenly picture of Christ, who descended into hell for your sake and was forsaken by God as one eternally damned, when he spoke the words on the cross, Eli Eli, Lama Sabakhtani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, So if you fear that God might forsake you in death, you look to Christ. Because Him, God, did forsake in death. And because God forsook Christ in death, it means God will not forsake you in death, no matter what you have done. Um, Leviticus chapter 26 Uh, Looking away from Christ, uh, one will flee their enemies. But if you will not listen to me, uh, God says this, but if you will not listen to me, I in turn will do this for you. I will inflict upon you panic, wasting disease and fever, which will cause your eyes to fail and your vitality to slip away. You will sow your seed but get no return, for your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you. You will be beaten by your enemies, and those who hate you will rule over you. You will flee, even though nobody is pursuing you. They will flee as though fleeing from a sword, and they will fall, though no one is pursuing them. Each one of them will stumble over his brother, as if from a sword, even though no one is pursuing him. You will have no power to stand against your enemies, and you will perish among the nations. So, for someone who turns their, uh, turns their back to Christ, this is what the end result is. We see this happening all around us today, right? Fear uh, uh, of wasting disease and fever. Oh, man, we have that. Uh, uh, and, uh, but this... that. Everyone has a fear of their, their neighbor. Uh, right? You will flee even though nobody's pursuing you. Um, our world acts like it has everything to lose, uh, which, of course, if you don't believe in Christ, and there is no heaven, you do. That, that's all there is for you. Uh, and, and so if you have everything to lose, well, then you're going to be fearful of, of anything your neighbor can do to you. You're going to be fearful of your neighbor, uh, and uh, you're going to flee even though nobody's pursuing you. Uh, last, uh, last week we talked about how death Actually has zero power, right? Has zero power, and so the fear that we f- that we have of death does not come from death itself. It comes from our our our, uh, our lack of faith uh, and our our uh, our lack of trust in God, right? So because death has been overcome, uh, it has been defeated, and God says, "I will set my face against them." You know, uh, we uh, end our services uh, with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his Face shine on you, right? So to have someone's face or to have someone's countenance turn toward you, um, that is a that's a huge blessing. That's that means somebody actually looks at you, somebody's thinking about you, right? When um, uh, uh, you, you know if, if 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 you're not in church for a while, uh, you know I, I, I call you or or I I I say to you when you come back uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, it's good to see you, good to, good to have you back with us. Why? Because, you know, we, uh, my face was turned towards you, I want you here, and, and so God does too. Um, so to have someone actually to be looking out for you, to con- be concerned about you, um, that's what God is. And so, looking at, at Christ, your enemies will flee you, Judges 7. The Lord said to Gideon, there are too many people for, uh, with you for me to give Midian into your hands. If I did that, Israel will glorify itself at my expense and say, my own hand has delivered me. Uh, right. So Israel is uh, led by Gideon, and they're going to uh, try to defeat Midian. This is one of the, the, the nations they've got to defeat to enter in, into the promised land. Right. So uh, Midian has this great, huge army. Uh, they're, they're fortified, uh, and uh, they're protected. Uh, and Israel has uh, 32,000 men, in their army. 32,000 men. And then God whittles it down uh, by a variety of means. Uh, he has the people, uh, he, he tells Gideon, uh, have the men all, all drink some water from the brook. And whoever, whoever kneels down and, and takes the, the water like this and cups it with his hand, uh, God says, let him go. Because if, if you do this, then that means you're smart. Uh, because you have your sword ready and uh, your face is not in the water and you can see your enemies coming from you and so you're not entirely in the water. Um, but he, but if, you're, if you're like a dog and you're lapping the water, you know, is in the water, then you are, you're completely powerless. You can't see your, your enemies coming to attack you. And so you're, 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 a, you're a foolish warrior then. So God sends the smart ones away and he actually keeps the foolish ones. And so in the end, there's only 300 people left that uh, are to go against all of Midian. So when the Israelites, uh, and he tells them to blow trumpets and smash pottery. Uh, so when the Israelites blew the three hundred rams' horns, the Lord turned the sword of Moses, or ser- sorry, turned the sword of each Midianite against the person next to him throughout the whole camp. Right? So it happened exactly like God had promised in uh, earlier in Numbers uh, that this was going to happen. Um, if if you don't if you don't fear Christ, you, you fear death. Uh, and so these Midianites, they've got no one chasing them, but they're, they're terrified. And so they're turning, and they're, 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 they're stabbing each other with the swords uh, out of fear for their own life. Um, and so the Midianite army fled up to Beth uh, Shittah toward uh, Zerah, up to the border of abel uh, Maḥola, as far as Tabith. So they fled. So if you look at Christ, if you fear Christ, your enemies, including death, will you. So death, sin, and hell will flee you like the Midianites. Uh, and so we, we need to encourage and strengthen ourselves with the word of God uh, and with the sound of trumpets, uh, Luther says. Uh, so in singing, in songs, uh, in spiritual songs, uh, Paul says, So we sing to each other when we're dying too. And that's a way that we can encourage one another. We'll talk about that more in two weeks. I'll uh, we'll talk about it right now, actually. Uh, one of the hymns that we sing uh, is Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart, hymn 406, um, and I've got it printed for you on the, uh, on the right. And one of the lines in it is that I may die unfearing. So, Lord, let it last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. Now, we pray that. It's a prayer of Christians because we need to pray it. We pray it because we do fear death. Um, we fail to overcome this fear. You know, on our own, just like forgiving, we can't do. We, we can't forgive on our own. And we can't get rid of the fear of death on our own. And so we pray it. We pray that I may die unfearing because we fear death too. Uh, we are, it doesn't mean we're not a Christian if we fear death. If you fear death, that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Uh, In fact, uh, sometimes, uh, if you don't fear things, um, especially if you don't fear your sin, if you don't fear sin, it's a bad thing. If you don't think that you're a sinner, and you're not afraid of God's wrath, that's probably a bad thing. But if you are actually concerned about your sin, and you're worried, maybe I'm not actually all that good, uh, you know, Uh, If you're worried about it, that means you you maybe have a stronger faith than you think. Uh, But we do struggle, and so we cling to Christ in every hour. Um, And so to say we don't fear death, that's a statement of faith, right? Uh, And and so it's put into us by God's word. We can't say that on our own. It's put into us by God's word that we don't fear death because the Bible tells us over and over and over again that we don't need to fear death. And so to actually say it, uh, is, is to say the words of Scripture. We're, we're reminding ourselves of what Scripture has promised. And so that's only something that can be done by faith. Pagans and heathens can't say that. Right? They will fear death. Um, whether they say it or not, uh, they will fear death. And we can say we don't fear death, uh, even though we might fear death a little bit. We could say it because we believe God's word. We have God's word, so we're trusting that. So that's, that's the word of faith. And... So we're too weak to carry us out of uh, earth, out of life, uh, not fearing, but Christ is strong enough to hold us and to carry us home, uh, even in spite of that. Gerhard says, this is the next quote on your sheet, he says, without a doubt, it is a weakness of our flesh and a peculiarity of our corrupt nature that we are more desirous of this momentary life than the everlasting one to come. So... uh, you recognize it's a weakness of our flesh that we want to stay in this life uh, and not more desirous of the one to come. Romans eight thirty eight thirty nine 39 says, neither life nor death nor any creature can separate or tear us from the love of God which is Christ Jesus. And we pray in the hymn, we now implore God the Holy Ghost. Uh, this is verse 4 of that hymn. Thou highest comfort in every need. Grant that neither shame nor death we heed, that e'en then our courage may never fail us, when the foe shall accuse and assail us. Lord, have mercy. So, what's impossible with man is possible with God. I'll read for you from Matthew chapter 19. How to get into heaven. There was a man who came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing should I do? that I may have eternal life. Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? Only one is good. Meaning, uh, who, who is good? Who is the one who is good? God. Only God is good. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh though that's the second table of the law. Right. The first table uh, of the law are the first three commandments. Uh Yep, you shall no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God or or take the name of the Lord your God in vain and remember the Sabbath of the day. So those deal with God, these deal with your neighbor. And so the young man said to him, "I have kept all these. What am I lacking?" Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I tell you. It will be very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This young man had everything the world idolizes. Youth. Power, riches. Right? Uh, that's everything our, our world desires. Pop culture entirely is focused on the young, powerful, and the rich, right? Watch TV. Listen to pop radio. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's pop or country. It, it idolizes the, 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 the young, rich, and uh, powerful, right? Uh, pop culture idolizes those things. And so this guy, for the world, has everything, right? He's not lacking anything. And so he comes to Jesus, and he, you know, he's not like a Pharisee, and he's not trying to trick Jesus. He's actually honestly asking a question, Lord, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Um, well, his question is bad, right? How do you get an inheritance? You don't do anything. You know, this guy had, had inherited everything, right? He's rich. His parents are rich. So he got it. So he didn't understand how to, how to work for anything or how to get anything. Um, and so he thought he had to work for something. Um, but he doesn't understand that inheritance of heaven is a free gift from God. And so what did Jesus direct him to? He didn't say, uh, so, so this, yeah, so what did Jesus direct him to? what's that sell it all all. yeah so first of all he directs him to the commandments yep and then and then guy says i've done it all and notice jesus doesn't say oh come on are you sure you never stole anything are you sure you never did this or that but jesus says uh then well if you have well go go sell everything you have because what's jesus trying to do he's trying to show that this man has another god has an idol um and it's, a, it's himself. It's himself. So he thought he was good. You know, like most people today, you know, most people think they're generally good, right? Uh, most people won't admit they're a sinner. They think they're generally good. Good people go to heaven. Um, and uh, so that's what this man thought, too. And the disciples, they're astonished at, at this. Jesus says, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples are astonished because, you know, the disciples... You know, we think of the disciples today as like uh, hippie flower children, uh, you know, uh, bare feet, togas, running around in the woods, um, uh, love, peace, you know, that sort of thing. But the disciples were businessmen. Uh, they were farmers. They were just like us. Uh, they, they weren't. They weren't. Uh, they weren't poor. Peter was one of the richest people in town. Uh, so the disciples who are wealthy, you know, how can you leave everything for three years and follow Jesus unless you actually have something to begin with? So these are not poor, poor men, um, and uh, so they're astonished at this because they've got wealth too. Who can be saved? Uh, but Jesus says, "With people, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible." Luther says, "Such preparation and readiness for this journey." are accomplished first of all by providing ourselves with a sincere confession. Uh, At least of the greatest sins and those which by diligent search can be recalled by our memory. With the holy Christian sacrament of the holy and true body of Christ and with the unction. Uh, If these can be had, one should devoutly desire them and receive them with great confidence. If they cannot be had, our longing and yearning for them should nevertheless be a comfort and we should not be too dismayed by the circumstance. Uh, so, what is Luther directing us to uh, at the end of our life? The sacraments. Yeah, so the, the holy and true body of, and blood of Christ, the Lord's Supper, right? And he, he adds the, the holy unction, too, the unction. Um, that's typically done in the Roman Catholic Church, it's neither commanded nor forbidden. Uh, but Luther's saying it's a good thing, um, right? Um, and uh, so he says if you desire these things and if you're actually not able to have them, like if death comes too quickly for you and these things, you, you aren't able to have them, but you desire for them, that's, that's a good thing because it means you, you actually have faith, right? You're, you're desiring of these things. What does mean? I should have looked it up. I don't, I don't know. Oh. Hmm. Uh, I'll look it up, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the practice, I have to admit. Um, so Luther directs us to the sacraments. Uh, there's a hymn, uh, hymn number 13, uh, to the right there, Dearest Jesus, draw thou near me. Uh, underneath thy wings abiding in thy church, O Savior dear, let me dwell in thee confiding. Hold me in thy faith and fear. Take away from me each thought, that with wickedness is fraught, tempting me to disobey thee. Root it out, O Lord, I pray thee. So take away the, the fear that I have. And how? Thou art's greatest joy and gladness and salvation, full and free. Let thy presence cheer my sadness and prepare my soul for thee. In the hour when I depart, touch my spirit, lips, and heart. With thy word assure, uphold me. Till the heavenly gates enfold me. So in the hour that I depart, touch my spirit, lips, and heart. How is that done? What's through the word and sacraments. Right? So what is your comfort in your last moments? And how do you actually look to Christ in your last moments? What's well, through the word and sacraments. So um, and Luther also adds, without faith, uh, they serve no purpose. So if in the moment of death you're grasping for straws, uh, and, and you're just reaching out for something because you're just terrified of death and you don't want to die. Uh, and you're, you know, you're, you're going to do anything possible and uh, you're, you're reaching out and you think, well, okay, now I'm going to take the Community, even though I've never really done it before and I never really believed it, uh, but I'm going to do it now because now I'm dying and I don't want to die. Um, and uh, on, on the other hand, you would just as easily reach out to, you know, uh, and look at a, a figure of Buddha or whatever else, you know. If you're grasping for straws, expecting that the simple act of doing something or anything, if that's going to save you, um, you deceive yourself. You know, that's what the rich man, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, nothing. You can't do anything. It's a gift. And so, in, in our last moment, we look and we receive the gifts. Nothing that we're doing, but we're receiving the gifts. Yeah? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. The action of anointing someone with oil or ointment as religious rite or as a symbol of a testature as a monarch. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you read that. What was um, that? Something i guessing like that is what it is. So now that you read it, unction is done with oil. So you anoint a person with oil. And it comes straight from James chapter, uh, I don't remember the reference in James, but it's from James. James says that uh, if someone is sick, they are to call the elders of the church or the presbyters, the pastors, uh, presiding ministers, and they are to go to that person and to bring the oil, to anoint them with oil. So James says that. We typically don't do it, um, although we can. It's actually, I don't have my, my pastoral companion booklet, but when I visit a sicker or shut-in member, or really a sick person, there's a right for uh, visiting and communing a sick person. And in there, there's the option for uh, anointing them with oil. So we, it's not like we don't do this. We can. We typically don't because it hasn't been our practice. Um, but we can, and it is a good thing because it's in the book of James. And James says we're, we're, this is a good thing to do. Do it. Um, and so... Generally, you just anoint a person with oil, typically with a a cross on their forehead, just like in baptism. And and again, it's drawing us back to the grace we received in baptism. So it's not like we're getting any extra blessing from doing this, but that it is recalling for us the blessings that have already been won for us. Um, And, you know, God knows that we're physical people and that we have more than just... um, mental needs you know we're more than just heads on a stick we actually have bodies too and we feel things and so God uses uh, human means real physical means to comfort and strengthen us so when he wants to forgive us our sins and strengthen us to live a new life he actually has us eat something right Um, when he brings us into the Christian church he does it by by making us wet in baptism uh, and then just hearing, too. We, we, we forget about hearing, that hearing is a physical thing, too, because, um, you know, I can't, I don't just have, what's it called, telekinesis, and, you know, think something, and, all, and automatically, like, you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> so I speak something, and that act of speaking, you know, I have a vocal cord that's vibrating and moving. It's a physical thing, and it's causing, uh, uh, Words come out of my mouth, and your eardrum has things that are vibrating in it. uh, And the sound waves that are moving through the air, uh, that's a physical thing, too. It's an actual wave. uh, And so that's a physical physical thing, too, even though we can't see it. Um, So God works through physical means to actually comfort and strengthen us. Um, So uh, there are some churches, some Christians, that that say the finite cannot contain the infinite. Well, uh, yes, it can, and it does, because God... God combines it with his word of promise. Um, so objective means. So these are these are the things that we look at. Uh, objective means. Spagenberg uh, lists five things to do to prepare to die. So one, live a Christian life with Christ's death in view. Uh, so you prepare by living. You prepare for death by living, even now. Um, you, you, it's not like... And this is not, well, there, there was that country song that was really popular when I was in grade school, and high school, uh, Live Like You Were Dying. Uh, uh, you know, I'll go skydiving and riding a bowl and whatever else. It's not that, uh, right? That's, that's not a Christian attitude to, you know, if, if I'm gonna die anyway, well, I'm just gonna go and enjoy my life and uh, live, live and do whatever I want. Uh, and you know, I'll be a good person, but you know, I'll, I'll just do whatever I want and go skydiving and all that. Um, We Christians live a life of faith, Uh, and that's doing works and service to our neighbor. Uh, It's hearing God's word, uh, uh, keeping it holy, uh, receiving the sacraments, Uh, and just trusting God's promises to us that we don't have to go out and do all these things, you know, cross things off our bucket list that we always wanted to do. Even if we don't get to do that, that's okay, too. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Right? That's what Christians say. So two, die to the world. Die to what is created. Cling to the creator. Uh, so again, take the world, but give me, give me Jesus. Die to the world. Die to what is created. Um, but then Svagenberg says, but is this not impossible for the human nature? So in other words, is not it impossible for us to die to what is created, to actually do this? Because we don't want to lose our stuff, right? We don't want to lose our family. We, we want to enjoy the world. Um, uh, and he says that's true. But when a person grasps the articles of faith regarding the forgiveness of sin, resurrection of the dead, and everlasting life, with a firm faith and continually keeps them in mind, then it is not impossible. What's he drawing from there? Would you recognize that that phrase? Forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the dead, and life everlasting? Uh, Apostles' Creed. Yeah, the Apostles' Creed. So he's drawing you to the chief article uh, of the faith, the Apostles' Creed, uh, that sums up what we believe is Christian. So this is why we repeat it all the time. Uh, Luther uh, encouraged Christians to say it every day not just in church. Actually, the, the creed that we're supposed to say in church is the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed was the one for uh, the divine service. The Apostles' Creed was the daily creed, the one that you were baptized into. So whenever we have a baptism, we say the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and it was the one that you were supposed to say every day uh, in your own home to remind yourself. So this was the, 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 the creed of faith. Um, and so Luther uh, and Swagenberg here is drawing us back to this thing that we know because we've said it countless times, uh, and uh, so that we have the forgiveness of sins, we have the resurrection of the dead, and we have the life everlasting, and so we, we keep that in, in mind. So he's not again he's not drawing us to like emotion. Uh, he's not drawing us to uh, um, you know in our last moments. We it's up to us to like to be you know to have good spirit and, and to be you know, to be, you know, to have jokes or whatever uh, and to be lighthearted about it. Um, Although if we are, you know, that's a great thing, that's a great blessing God has given us too. Um, But what God gives us in death is objective. It's objective, it's outside of us. So no matter what our state is, no matter uh, how much we fear or don't fear, uh, we have this objective thing that is outside of us. So then, number three, he says, impress the gospel on your memory. So learn it, memorize it, not just you know read it every now and then, but actually memorize it, because this is going to help you throughout your life, and especially in your last moments. This is why we uh, we is why we memorize the catechism. Uh, I'll talk more about that that, uh, next week. Uh, Fourth, he says, recall your baptism and how you bound yourself through it to God. So if you're bound to God through baptism, well, he's not going to let anything snatch you from his hand. We talked about that last time. Uh, you're bound to Christ. Nothing can, can take that away from you. So uh, when you're dying, don't look back at, to your life and all the things that you did or didn't do, but look to baptism. You're baptized. And five, think about the power of the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ that you have received. Whenever you get forgiveness of sins in the Lord's body and blood, uh, we say in the Catechism, wherever there's forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. So, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, as Paul says, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, and, uh, and in proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, you're proclaiming your own death and you're reminding yourself that because you have the forgiveness of sins, you now have life, eternal life, and salvation Uh, and so in death um, you know if you know you're dying call your pastor and let me know and i will come to you and i'll bring to you the lord's supper as quickly as i can Um, but if you are unable to do that if i can't get there in time uh, then your comfort is that you desire it and pretty soon you're going to be partaking of it anyway Uh, and you're going to be seeing the real feast in heaven you're not just going to get the preview that i would give you you're going to get the real thing um, and so let that be your comfort. Any questions? Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 God's promise. God's promise. I love that. Yep. That's great. And and that's the gospel, right? You could you could make it one word: uh, the gospel. Uh, God's promise, and that's what the gospel is. Uh, Luther uh, and early Lutherans, you know, we, we tend to really talk just about law and gospel. Uh, the early Lutherans would always call the gospel the promise. Uh, the promise. Um, and uh, so, Yes. Uh, right. You know, yeah. 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 You know? and yeah. yeah. I just, I, I just tried to draft it. I was like eight, nine years old, and I am just trying to make sense of it. That's when I started seeking out know, you know, some answers. Yeah. My neighbor threw me down the church you know, we you know, and he asked me what he said. I was afraid to say no because he was a, he was a very intimidating man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah. I, I think it's one of the reasons why people, like, at least why I feared that, because I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't understand it not living. Really. You know, I just, I didn't love it. Why i up to that short point of so much that I couldn't understand yeah. it. I just couldn't understand it not, not yeah. necessarily fear it that way, I love this so much, I yeah. can appreciate it again. Like, yeah, yeah. I just don't want it to go away. Yeah, that's good. And, and you know, we as Christians, we love, we love life, uh, not for the thing itself. Or we, you know, this is for everything. We love things not for the thing itself, but because of Christ. And so, you know, because I love life, uh, you know, I, I'm not walking around, you know, always at the front of my face. Well, sometimes I do, um, but I love life, and because I, I love life because I love Christ. And in Christ, I'm going to get life back. Uh, I have have it back already, and I'm going to have it eternally. I love my family, not because they're the greatest thing, but I love them in Christ. And in Christ, I'm going to get them back when I die. Um, So every, every blessing that we have, we don't love for the thing itself. So we don't love the creation more than the creator. We love the creator... And, and we love what the Creator has given to us. And, and because of that, um, we know that we'll get it back. Yeah. You know, this, and this is the question, you know, sometimes, maybe a weird direction to take it now, but some people ask, like, what about, what about pets when they die? What about dogs and cats? Like, what happens to them? Um, you know, if you read the book of Revelation, uh, you know, you can talk about what about jobs and, and, um, and uh, plants. The book of Revelation talks about people having vocations in, in heaven, doing different things. They're not just singing all the time. Um, and uh, it, it talks about plants uh, and streets and buildings. What does it sound like? It sounds like a new Garden of Eden that's been developed, <laughs> uh, that God has, has actually created. Uh, and uh, the Lamb is the light in the center. When God created the world, there was no sun yet, but there was light somehow. Huh, I wonder how that happened. Who was it? It was Jesus, right? The Lamb of God. <laughs> and uh, so when God created the Garden of Eden, um, our sin tainted it. We lost it, but we're going to get it back. Uh, and uh, so will there be an- uh, plants in heaven? Yeah. Will there be animals? Probably, yeah. Uh, will there be my animals? Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You know, maybe my animals. God, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed all the world. Not just, not just people, but all the world. So uh, the Bible talks about new heavens and a new earth. So, uh, so we can't say for certain, but it seems like, you know, if you, if you love your pets, you'll, you'll get them back too. Not, not because you love them, but because of, of Jesus. Uh, let's close. Uh, any other questions before I close? Spaggenberg's Prayer to God to Deliver from an Evil Death. I, I think this is just a wonderful prayer that I have printed for you. Uh, we'll pray this. O Lord, Christ, o Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Heavenly Father, our Redeemer, Deliverer, and Savior, we entreat you, deliver this dying person from all dreadful, terrifying machinations and assaults of the devil, of sin and of hell. Deliver him as you graciously redeemed Noah from the billows of the flood, Lot from the corruption of Sodom, Abraham from the fire of the Chaldeans, the children of Israel from the power of Pharaoh, David from the hand of Goliath, the three men from the fiery furnace of Babylon, Daniel from the lion's den, Jonah from the belly of the whale, Peter from Herod's prison. Deliver, O Lord God, the soul of the dying person from all dangers. Open to him this very day the gates of paradise, the portals of heaven, and the entrance to eternal life. O Lord Jesus Christ, pardon him all his sins and lead him with joy into the realm of your heavenly Father into Abraham's bosom, to eternal rest, so that he may rejoice unceasingly with you and all the chosen children of God in eternal life. Amen. Beautiful prayer. And just, it's rich with Scripture, right? It's rich with Scripture. So all these examples of God delivering people, think about that. God will deliver you too. Um, and so you can read all the the ones down below. Uh, By the way, the portals of heaven there, uh, the entrance to eternal life, uh, as I've been working on the door out here, uh, we used to have, uh, there used to be some wrought wrought, uh, wrought iron uh, hinges on it. And if any of you know where they are, uh, let me know because I'd like to put them back on. Um, We used to have them. I I don't know where they are. And we've, we've never had them since I've been here. But when we strip the door, we realize that there used to be hinges there, big, big iron hinges, and uh, they have a flowery motif on them. Um, and the idea with hinges, when you see them on church doors with the flowery motif, they are meant to symbolize that the church is the new Eden, or the new Garden of Eden. So you, when you enter the church, you're entering a new Garden of Eden. Um, and so if we, if we still have those hinges around, I'd love to put them back on the door. Um, anyway, there's a lot of cool symbolism that... Uh, you know, it it may be lost on us most of the time. Um, Take a look at the handle out uh, when you go out the door, too. There's little tiny uh, uh, fish symbols on the handle uh, to remind us of of the Christian church. So, thank you, thank you. Um, Well, uh, Lord's blessings uh, be with you and uh, hope to see you at the the Hayride. Um, uh, And uh, I will see you next week, and next week we will um, talk more about uh, we'll talk about the provisions for the journey, provisions for the journey. What to take, what to take with us. All right. Lord's peace be with you.